prepare yourself for a word from God that I believe is going to blow any expectations that you had away when you walked in this place. We're in a series called Dream On. Say Dream On. Love it. Dream On. We're looking at dreams in the Bible. God would give people dreams in the Bible, and he'd actually speak through them and maneuver through them and, and work through them, and it's, it's been crazy. And like last week, for example, we learned about a guy named Joseph um, that, that God literally used Joseph. But what we learned last week is that God said, Joseph, for you to live out your dream, you need to focus on the dreams of others. And, and may, so maybe you're new or you missed last week. I'm t all the messages we have are, are available on, on like YouTube. And we've kind of actually hit the big time. Now they're available on iTunes. So yeah, we're, we're excited about that. So now when you open iTunes, it, you know, you can look and be like, okay, do I'm going to listen to Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, or Meadows Church, right? That should not be a hard decision. At least I hope it's not. But Nicki, Cardi, come on. I would like to see those two in a cage match, though. That's, I am kind of, I would, I would sign up for that. But uh, anyway, so we're excited. The reason we're doing that is because we just want to get the word out whatever way we can. I want God's word to go out and go forth in whatever way. And you know what's crazy? So many of you have shared with other people that you know messages off of those platforms or off of For Sure or YouTube that people have come. So that is a way to actually invite, be like, hey, this message spoke to me, and I think it might speak to you. So thank you for doing that. People are coming because of that. So, but we're excited, and we're um, excited about this series. When I was a kid, um, this show didn't excite me that much, but it was a show that was on called I Dream of Genie. And uh, you, maybe you know it, it's pretty realistic. An astronaut like crashes and finds a genie's lamp, and he would rub it, and this genie would come out, and she would kind of be, have like, she dressed like a parachute kind of, and she comes out, and she's like, hey, master, how can I help you? And I'm like, I'm still trying to get Jody to just say those words, but it hasn't happened yet, has it? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that never will happen. So, but this is what she would do, and this genie would come out, and he would ask what he wanted, and she would do one of these deals, boing, and it would happen. And I'm like, that's a cool trick. I mean, that's awesome. So, like, at my house, when Jake walks by sometimes and I want him to do something, I'll be like, Jake, I wish that you would pick up the dog poop in the front yard. Boing! And he'd be like, Mom, Dad's being weird again. You know, remember that? He, she's like, Dad, what are you, you're weird. You know, I said, Jake, you know what would be really weird? Is if you actually just did it, right? Just, just do that, right? Just listen. Turn to, tell your neighbor, just do it. Just do it. Sometimes we're like, just do it. Just do what I'm asking. Sometimes I'm, I'm that way with God, are you? Like, I'm, I'm like, God, just do what I'm asking. I, I, is it this difficult? You know what needs to be done here, and we kind of treat God like this genie. And I'm the master, and God, you're that genie in a bottle, and I'm like, I need you to do this at my job, and I need you to do this in my family. I need you to do this wherever. And we're asking God all these requests. And then we get mad at God when he doesn't do them the way we want him to. But the reality is we should probably give God glory and be grateful he doesn't give us everything that we ask for because at the end of the day, he loves us a little too much to do that. And his plans, the last time I checked, are a little bigger and a little bolder for what we have to ask him. Is, am, I, am I preaching or not? That's what I think. That's what I think. Man, God's got a word. God has got a word. The word he's got is out of, uh, in the Bible, a book called First Kings. If you bought a Bible or a mobile device, go to First Kings. If you don't know where it is, it's cool. It's right before Second Kings. I know I'm kind of a jerk. Okay, so it's in the it's in the Old Testament. You'll you'll, you'll find it. But uh, if you don't find it, it's cool. We're gonna put it up on the screen. But I'm gonna set it up for you. First Kings. 
Um, we're, we're at a point here where the name king means that Israel, Israel, the Israelites are, were God's chosen people in the Old Testament. And, and remember, they went, they were in Egypt, and they got out of Egypt, and they, and they finally got into the promised land, which is Canaan, or Israel now. And they finally got there. So now they're in the promised land, and they're fending off opposition, but they've taken the land that God has for them. And they've, now they have kings. They never used to have them. But now they wanted a king. They begged God for a king. God says, all right, I'll give you a king. He gave them King Saul. Saul was the first king. After Saul came King David. Remember David took down Goliath and he was a great king. This is the third king. Solomon is the son of David. He's the third king different than David though. David was a warrior. He was, he was, he went into battle. He was a fighter. Solomon was, Solomon was more of a lover, not a fighter. Right? And I can relate to that. I mean, I've never been in a fist fight. I'm, I'm scared to get punched in the face. I just, I've never wanted to be in a fist fight. Though I have had some scraps, I'll just be honest with you. I mean, I'm, I am not completely weak. So I've had some scraps. I uh, grew up with uh, five siblings, and my sisters and I would get into it. I mean, and it was vicious. You know what I'm talking about. Hair pulling, scratching, screaming, clawing. And that's just what I was doing. I mean, I, you know, it was bad. It was bad, so I have, I will throw down if I have to. Solomon didn't throw down much. Solomon was a peacekeeper. In fact, the name Solomon, you know it comes from the word shalom. Say shalom. Shalom is actually a Hebrew word that means peace. This is where Solomon got his name. He literally was a peacekeeper, and it makes sense because during Solomon's entire reign, there wasn't many battles. There was a lot of peace. And you might think, well, that's good. And it is in a sense. But I'm telling you something. Just because you have peace in your life, you might have too much. Like I tell people, sometimes when you're facing opposition, sometimes when you don't feel the peace, that's when God wants to move in your life. That's when God wants to do something. Because with opposition comes opportunity. And there was a huge opportunity for Solomon, this peacekeeper that he was, this lover, not a fighter that Solomon was. So I'm going to take you to 1 Kings, the first verse. And I'm going to start there. It says this. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh. Last week we learned that Pharaoh is the king of Egypt. This is a different Pharaoh. The last week was a thousand years earlier. Not the same guy, right? So Pharaoh is a title, not a name. Solomon made an alliance. He married one of the daughters of Pharaoh. He brought her to live in the city of David. Now the city of David, that's just another word for Jerusalem. That's what that, that's what that is. Until he could finish doing what David started. Building a palace for him, building a temple for God, building a wall around it all. He had to do these things. Verse 2, at the time, the people of Israel sacrificed their offerings at local places of worship. For the temple, honoring the name of the Lord, had not been built yet. That's what actually Solomon would be building, is the temple. But because one didn't exist, they were doing what they needed to do. Verse 3 is key. Listen to this. Solomon loved the Lord. I'm going to say that again. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at local places of worship. Most important were these places. The most important one of these places was a place in Gibeon. So the king went there and he sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. Say, dream on. Now we're to the dream. Verse five. We hit verse five. This is where the dream happens. God comes to Solomon in a dream, and this is what he says. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. And I bet Solomon was like, what, what am I dreaming? Yes, yeah, Solomon, you are, but it's real, because God's really talking to you. And this statement blows me away. Like, God really asked Solomon, 
Just ask and I'll give it. I mean, this is a dream come true. I've like, I've read this before and I'm ready. Like I have a list in my, under my pillow that I keep under my pillow. I'm like, God, if you ever come to me in a dream and ask me this, I'm ready. Like I, I, I mean, I, this is what I'm asking. And some of you are like, well, the first thing I would ask for is world peace and that we all just get along. And yeah, 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 I get that. And that's great. And that's noble. But maybe just don't go right to world peace. Maybe just, maybe you start by asking God to give you the ability to use your turn signal. Just start there. Okay. Gosh, some of you just want it all right away. Yeah, you know who you are, too. Vroom, vroom, whatever. So, anyways, could be me, too. Um, but I've got a list, literally. And you know what's top of it? I, I, I say, God, you, you want me to tell you what I want? We have an epidemic going on. It's called group texting, okay? It's an epidemic. You know it, and I know it. And I'd be like, God, you know what's going on, and you ask me this question. But for anybody that sends me a group text, I'm, I'm not saying kill them, unless that's what you want, God. Then I'm okay with it. But... What we could do, and this is just my idea, how about when they send this group text, you send about 10,000 volts of electricity through their body, right? I think this will do something. I think it can help America be great again. I really do. I'm just saying. And if they keep sending them, he just turns up the voltage. It's okay. You'll catch on eventually. Maybe this is why God's never come to me in a dream, right? He's like, dude, you got problems. I know. That's why I need you, Jesus. So, okay. So, but Solomon's response, Solomon's response to God is so key. Because God says, Solomon, what do you want? Just say it, I'll do it. And Solomon's like, this is what Solomon says to him, and this is key. So I'm gonna give you three things really quick in the message here that Solomon does. His response is so brief and to the point. I love it. This is what Solomon responds to God. He replied, you've showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David. Because he was honest and true and faithful to you, God. And you've continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him me, a son, to sit on the throne. So what, what, what he does right here is Solomon is reflecting on the goodness and the faithfulness of God. So very quickly, he says, God, okay, this is where we're at. But, but this is what you've done. You've been faithful here. You've showed up here. You've helped me there. You got me out of that. And if you've done that, you can do this. The first thing he does, he's, he reflects on the past. He reflects on the past. God, this is where I was. This is what you've done. And it's all been really good because you're a good God. Now let's go to verses 7 and 8. He's going to shift now from the past to the present. And he says, Lord, now, say now. Now you have made me the king instead of my dad, David. But, but I'm like a little kid that doesn't even know my way around. I'm in the midst of your own children, your own people, a great nation, so big, so numerous, we can't even count them. In other words, what, what Solomon is saying here, I'm in way over my head right now, God. Like, I know you've been good in the past, but where I'm at today, it's overwhelming. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't lead these people. I can't do it. He, he's, he's acknowledging his need in the present. Acknowledging God's grace and God's goodness, this is what Solomon is doing. He's saying, God, this is what you've done in the past, but I'm feeling very inept today. Some of you can relate to what I'm saying there because there are situations going on in your life Right now, where you don't feel like you're equipped, that's not a bad place to be. Because what you can't do, your father can do. And this is why Solomon is going to the father saying, I can't lead these people. I'm just a guy. I don't know what I'm doing. But listen to what he says. Now he's going to move from the past to the present to the future. We go, we go to the next verse, verse 9. And this is, where he, this is where he finally says, God, you asked the question. Here's my answer. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well. 
know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? And there he says it. He asks, God, this is what I'm asking, and he's expecting. He asks, and he is expectant of the future. He's saying, God, this is, this is where we're at. This is where you've been. This is where we are today. But this is what I'm asking. And I love his ask. So he asks for wisdom. But not just, a, not just a smart mind. Not just, God, give me it up here. I love it. He asked for an understanding heart. That's so key. Because, because you know you can have a lot of smarts and still be way off. Way off. The Bible, Proverbs 4.23, I love this scripture. Guard your heart. Above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. If your heart isn't right, your life won't be either. We always say, be connected here to God, and this will be better. But if you're not connected here, this, this will be sideways, big time. Give God, give me an understanding heart. And then notice what he says. So I can govern your people. He doesn't ask God to do it. He doesn't say, God, show up. You ask, govern these people, lead these people. He says, no, 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 God, give it to me. I'll do it. Like, like, so I can govern the people. So I know right from wrong. He didn't say, God, you show, that, you show right from wrong and do it. He says, God, give it to me and I'll do it. I think sometimes we're guilty of asking God to do something for us when God wants to do something through us. Okay, I'll say that again. Don't ask God to do something for you that he wants to do through you. It's so key that you catch this. That's why God was pleased with Solomon. That's what that, so that little formula, I mean, that'll take you a few minutes to pray this way. Re reflecting on God in the past. Acknowledging where you're at today. Like, God, I don't understand everything that's gone on in my life. I don't get why you've allowed some of the things to happen. But you know what? You've been faithful in the past, and you'll be faithful in the future. And I'm not where I want to be today, God. I don't understand where I'm at today. But if I look at you, I'm not where I used to be. And if you got me this far, I'm believing, and I'm expecting, and I'm asking that you will be with me to the end. Because he will. This is God moving in the life of Solomon. And Solomon follows his formula, and it's beautiful, and God loves it. Verse 10 says, the Lord was pleased. Man, I want to please the Lord, and I know, I know you do too. He was pleased with Solomon that he asked for wisdom and understanding heart. So God replied, Solomon, because you asked for wisdom, you asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice, and haven't just asked for a long life for yourself, you haven't just asked for wealth for yourself. You haven't asked for death of your enemies or those that send group texts. You haven't done that. That's what God said. In other words, you haven't asked selfishly about all about you, so I'm going to bless you. That's what he says. But like the infomercials that you watch sometimes late at night, wait, there's more. Because there is. God then says, and I will also give you what you didn't ask for. This is crazy. This is crazy because Solomon's already asking what he wants and, and he knows God's going to give it to him. And then God says, you think, just when you think you've tapped me out, you haven't even become close to know that how much I can bless you. I will give you your wealth. I will give you your riches. I will give you a long life. This is what God says to him. I'll give you the wisdom as well. You ask for that, but I will go above and beyond what you can dream or imagine. And if you follow me and if you obey my decrees and follow my commands as your father David did, I will give you everything you ask for and more, including a long life. Solomon, wow, he asked for this, and God says, I'll give you this. This is your God. 
we, we, I think one of the biggest things we miss out when we dream about what God wants to do is, is God wants to do so much more. But not for us, but through us. Again, that'll be the key. That'll be an underlying key in this message. Not for you, but through you. Solomon asks for wisdom. God gives him so much more. And at this point, you could say that Solomon's kingship, because it was just beginning. It was off to an incredible start, wasn't it? I mean, this is incredible. What a great way to start your kingship. But like the great poet Longfellow said, great is the art of beginning, but greater is the art of ending. Or if you don't get that, I rephrased it. So the the great poet M.P. Gannon said, it's good to start well, even if it's luck, but if you don't finish strong, well, you suck, okay? So that's another way. It's either way. Means the same thing. Means the same thing. Just speaks to different people. You get it. So um, like my pastor would say, he said, Monty, starters are a dime a dozen. Finishers, one in a million. One in a million. They are. Everybody wants to start something. Everybody wants to be this or that or this or that. I'll start it, but will you finish it? So many people won't live the dream that God has put in your heart because you're not finishing. You're not staying the course. You're not trusting God. God wants you to stay the course. He wants you to trust him. And he wants you to know if, you'll, if you could just see the other side of what I have for you, trust me, you would. You would persevere. You would keep going. You wouldn't give up because I'm such a good God and I've got such a big dream. I want you to live out. This is what God says. So God equips Solomon to be a great leader, but he wasn't going to do it for him. He was going to do it through him. But, it, but, but, but what does this mean? It means that God made Solomon the wisest person besides Jesus that ever walked the earth. But Solomon would have to choose to be wise. It's kind of weird. He was very, very wise, but he could still be very, very foolish. You, have to, you might be wise, but if you don't exercise that wisdom, it doesn't matter. So that, that's, that's the difference between starting and finishing. And Solomon, he would be full of wisdom, yet he would make foolish, foolish mistakes. Starters a dime a dozen. Finishers one in a million. Solomon started strong. Solomon started well. But even with all his wisdom, what if I told you that he finished poorly? Now, it's not me telling you that. It's the word of God telling you that. I'll show you that in a second. But I'm going to tell you why up front. The reason Solomon finished poorly, it isn't because he didn't love God enough. It isn't because he didn't worship the right way. It isn't because he, 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 he didn't lead well. It, it, it's because of the company that he kept. That's why he didn't finish well. See, the, the company we keep, the, the people that we allow into our lives or don't allow into our lives, they're, they're going to define who you are. They They will. I promise you, Solomon's a perfect example. Solomon had so much going for him, but you know what he surrounded himself with? People that weren't worshiping God with all their heart. They they weren't devoted fully to God, you know? And and it just so happened that there were, a lot of them were women. I'm not saying anything bad to the ladies in the house, but Solomon, remember, he was a lover, not a fighter. Well, I I don't know if you know how, how serious it was. In 1 Kings 11, verse 3, Solomon had 700 wives, and 300 concubines, which are mistresses. Yeah, okay, I'll say it again. 700 wives and 300 mistresses. My first thought was, dang, Solomon, you go. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. My first thought was, when did this dude sleep? I mean, I don't even get it. What? How is this even possible? But Solomon, and God was very clear in his commands early that, that you, you shouldn't be marrying multiple people. Well, he broke that rule about 700 times and then had mistresses to boot. So Solomon had obviously had a problem. And Solomon, 
And, and, and what these mistresses did and what these wives would do, and it wasn't just the ladies. He, I'm sure he had guys in his life too that weren't leading him where he needed to go. But listen to what it says as I continue that verse. And in fact, they did, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. Do you remember verse three? It said Solomon loved the Lord. Now, now it says in chapter 11, verse three, they turned his heart away from the Lord. It's amazing what influence will do in your life. It's amazing who you wrap around you, what, what will happen in your life. I'm gonna read uh, the next few verses just so you can, I wanna get, I wasn't gonna do it, but I just, it only take a minute or two, and I need you to see the depth of, of what, what the surroundings that he's, because Solomon was worshiping God, but here was his issue. He went from worshiping one God he didn't turn his back completely on God. He just turned his heart towards other gods as well. And I think this is, this is key for the church. This is key for the people because so many people, your pastor included for most of my life, and sometimes I still do it. I'll worship God and say I do it with all my heart, but, but my, heart, my heart's still in other places. And, and if you ask me what's really valuable, well, don't ask me because I'll probably, I'll probably lie, you know, because my heart's wicked sometimes. Don't ask me. Let me show you because people's, people's actions will show you what's valuable to them. So check it out. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely, say completely, completely faithful to the Lord his fa that his father had been faithful to. Solomon worshipped other gods like Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. By the way, Molech, that god, you know how they'd worship him? They would child sacrifice. So this is what they would be doing. So when you think of, well, they're just, what's the big deal? Sin is always a big deal. And it always starts small and kind of menu-esque, but it grows. And soon you don't even understand. I guarantee Solomon never thought he'd be sacrificing one of his kids to a god years earlier. But this is what he would be doing. Let's keep going. In this way, Solomon did what was evil. Think about that. He loved the Lord at one point. Now he's doing what's evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David did. So verse 7, on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, he built pagan shrines for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and then Molech, the god that we just talked about. Solomon built these shrines for the foreign wives. See, at first he built it for them. Well, I'll build you. You can worship your gods. But soon he was sucked in and doing it himself. That's what it does. Well, maybe I won't do this, and soon you're doing it. My drug addiction, that's how it started. You know, well, maybe this, this, this. Pretty soon I'm doing things I'd never dreamed I would do. It, sin has a way of wrapping you up, and it did for Solomon. Let me finish verse 9. The Lord was very angry with Solomon. He loved him. He loved Solomon, but he was angry, for his heart turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who appeared to him twice even. He warned Solomon. God was specific. He's like, I'm not, I, I told you, Solomon. Don't worship other gods. Don't do that. But the Bible says Solomon didn't listen. So now the Lord said to him, since you haven't kept the covenant, you disobeyed, blatantly disobeyed what I told you, surely I'll tear the kingdom away, Solomon, and I'll give it to someone else. I'll give it to your servant. And that's exactly what happened. Solomon. God made Solomon the wisest person who ever lived, who ever walked the earth. But his foolish decisions ruined it. And I think, and I, and I hear that, and you've heard me talk about life groups, and I'm going to talk about them again because they're so critical to our church, but not to our church. When I say our church, because you're the church, they're critical to your life. They are critical to your life. And, and I, I, used to, I used to hang around people that weren't bad. I mean, even the people that weren't doing drugs and stuff, I mean, they were good people. They just weren't, they just weren't leading me closer to Jesus. You can hang around a lot of people, and they're not necessarily bad people. They're maybe not watching bad things. They're maybe not talking in a bad way all the time. 
But unless they're intentionally loving you, encouraging you, and pointing you closer to God and his word, it, it'll take you backwards in your walk with Jesus. See, we always think, well, I'm, just, I'm not hanging around the bad people. I'm telling you, if the people you're hanging out with aren't intentionally bringing you closer to God, you're going backwards with them. I don't say that because I don't like them. I say that because I love them and I love you and I want you to know this. This is why I talk about life groups and life groups are our small groups. We get together during the week and they're awesome and they're great. We, have, we had nine, now we have 11 and uh, they're incredible. And, and some, but here's what some people have said. Well, there's none that work for me because we're still a small church and we don't have 40 of them and we will someday, but we don't today. And you know what I would say? Start one, start a group, host one. You can lead it. My gosh, ask the leaders. You don't have to know it all. You just have to seek the one who does and love those people. You know, we get it. None of us know what's going on. We get in there and we just fumble around and do the best we can and love each other. That's all you do. So maybe there's not a group that works for your schedule, but host one. We will train you. We will equip you. We'll do whatever it takes. Many of our life group leaders are in the room today and I've kind of forewarned them if they got the email. Maybe they didn't. It'd be fun if they didn't because then they're caught off guard, which I'm okay with. So, but if you're hosting a life group and you're leading a life group, stand for a second. I want them to see who leads some of the life groups in this church. You should give it up for them. There's, yeah, thank you, thank you. So these are just a few of the leaders. These are just a few of them. You want to ask questions about life groups? See, see Bethany, see Mindy, see the others. Ask them questions. Thank you so much. So I don't know where the other ones are, but I'll be, you'll, they'll be hearing from me. So uh, just kidding. You guys, I, I, I'll never ask you to do something that's going to be invaluable to you or not value your time. We live in a busy world, okay? Your time's valuable. It's the most valuable commodity you have. I would never ask you to do something that wouldn't give you life. Never. I love you so much. But I pray that you will, the life group cards, that you'll fill them out or just pray about it, whatever. But I'll, I'll touch on something. We had nine, now we have 11. Those two additional ones are Celebrate Recovery life groups. These are, these are specific life groups, yeah. You know, you know, you know. These are life groups that, uh, they're six months. This is, this is just a six month stint of walking through hurts, habits, and hangups. Addictions, codependency, anger, abuse, neglect, whatever you've gone through, whatever you're going through. And there, so there's a men's and a women's. And we still have slots available in both because it can't get too big because then you can't really share intimately. But I'm telling you, if that's on your heart right now and, and, and it, because God's putting it there, just write Celebrate Recovery on that card and we'll contact you. They just started. You can easily get in. And, and God, wants to, God wants to heal you. God wants to move in you. It's what he wants to do. I'm so, I'm so excited about what God is doing, but our life groups, I tell uh, Kendra overseas life groups, I tell her all the time, those are the key to the church. They are the key. They are the nucleus of the church. As we grow as a church, one year anniversary coming up, as we go to two years and three years and four years, this church is going to grow because, uh, because God wants us to reach lost people. As it grows, it's going to feel bigger in here, but, but it's way bigger than this. The bigger that this grows, the smaller that we have to grow as a church through life groups. And you'll feel as connected as you are to a life group. If you feel disconnected, the first time I'll ask somebody, are you in a group? Nine times out of 10, they're not because they feel disconnected that way. That's why I say, get in a group. Get in a group. If you get one and you show up and you hate it because Chris is saying weird stuff, just find a different group. It's okay. Chris gets that all the time, don't you? I mean, it's weird, but just kidding. Kidding. Love Carissa. She's awesome. This is where the message was supposed to end, but I've got a few more minutes if you'll bear with me. It's kind of weird how God works. I might even get emotional. You haven't even got to the title of the message yet because God changed it this week. Been preparing for this message for weeks. Solomon didn't finish well. 
But you know what I asked myself or what God brought in my, in my mind this week to add this little PS at the end of the message? Why did God go to Solomon in the first place? Why? Why, why did God go to Solomon and say, Solomon, ask whatever you want, I'll give it to you. I'm like, why? I mean, Solomon, you jacked it up. We get that. But God still, God still blessed you in amazing ways. I want some of that. I want God's hand like that. And God said, go before the dream. That's why the message is called, called before the dream. And God said, Monty, look before the dream to see why I came to Solomon. Why did I even pose him with that? Why did I even position him with that? Such a bold, audacious offer. So I went before the dream. The dream started at verse 5, so I went back to verse 3. Remember what verse 3 said? Solomon loved the Lord. This is when he was in love with God with all of his heart. He followed the decrees of the father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at local places of worship. I'm like, okay, God, I get it. He loved you, but there's probably a lot of people that loved you too. You didn't go to, get, you didn't go to them with his dream. You went to Solomon. He's like, keep reading. Verse 4, the most important of these places of worship was Gibeon. So the king... Solomon went to Gibeon and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. So I started researching. Do you know what traditionally what a king would do when they go into kingship or anybody on that platform? They would go and they would worship and provide a burnt offering. Just one. A thousand burnt offerings. Do you know what the burnt offering most likely was? A bull. A bull. One bull they would sacrifice. Solomon says, we're going to do, we're, we're going we're gonna to sacrifice a thousand. Say barbecue. I mean, that's, that's seriously, that's a big barbecue. A thousand burnt offerings? And I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, this is why, Sol this is why God came to Solomon. Like he sees Solomon down there, and I'm sure Solomon's advisors are like, Solomon, what are you doing? Like a thousand? Okay, I get Solomon, you're new, you're new. Okay, let's, let's do maybe five or ten. Or, or you're excited, whatever. But a thousand, Solomon? We will be here all night killing bulls. You're crazy. And Solomon's like, nope. We're doing a thousand. And God looks at Solomon and he says, I'm going to come to him tonight. I got something for him. Because I like his heart. I see that this is a king who has a generous, giving heart. And I am a generous, giving God. But I don't like to do my work for people. I like to do my work through people. And if I can do something amazing through this man named Solomon, through the generosity that he's showing me, I can use this man. He might mess it up at the end, but I'm still going to use it in the meantime. Because in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And God looks at Solomon and says, this is a giver. This is a generous guy. So this wasn't even part of the message, but God showed me when we're generous with God, He'll be generous with us. When we're generous with God, whether it's our finances, whether it's our time, whether it's our, our talent, it doesn't matter. When you're generous, God will be generous with you. And this, so many people will hold out. I don't have the time for a life group. I don't have the money to get, whatever. God says, you know what? I can't, I can't use you like I want to use you then. Because I have blessings for you, but not just for you. I have them through you. Why would God go to Solomon? Because God had a giving heart. I can assure you, church, that God is not going to use me or you or this church in a bold way unless he can look at us and say, I like that heart. That's a giver. And God's a giver. And he likes his heart, so he'll like your heart. 
And God says, because this guy's so bold, I didn't ask for a thousand, but he did it. And I'm like, I want that heart. But check this out. This is why it's so crazy that God gave this to me. And I'm like, okay, I want, I want to be a generous person. And I struggle. I, I will tell you, the last thing I gave to God was certainly my money. And it was his, but you get it. But I've always struggled. I grew up poor, or not, not poor, but I didn't have much. So I've always held on to what I got, whether it's whatever. And God's had to work on me. So God's showing me this. He's like, do you see why I came to Solomon? Do you see why I positioned Solomon? Why I offered it to Solomon? Look at his heart for me. And we get done with service last week. And I'm preparing this message. And it was amazing. I'm driving home and I'm, uh, numbers matter to me because they represent you. I'm looking at the attendance. It was awesome. Just like today. I'm looking at... Um, um, the decisions for Christ, first thing I always look at. I'm celebrating what God is doing in his people's hearts. I'm looking at life group cards. I'm thinking, yes, they're taking steps for Jesus because if nothing changes, nothing changes. And I'm like just so excited. And all these things are going through my head as I'm preparing for our outreach event that I talked about with you. And all of a sudden, I kid you not, I get to our giving from last week. And I'm like, it was, and, and, and this is not to guilt anybody, trust me. It was our lowest giving weekend we've ever, I think, had as a church. And I looked at it, and the first thing I thought is, someone's stealing from us, okay? And I'm just kidding. If that's you, give that money back, okay? I'm just kidding. I didn't think that. I thought, well, but I did. Honestly, I did call our finance person. I'm like, did you forget a zero, like, on the end of the offering? That's what I thought. He's like, no. I'm like, okay. I hung up the phone. And my first thought, because my first thought is a human fleshly thought, here's my first thought. We can't do the outreach event. That's what I thought. The outreach event that we're doing at Papio Fun Park, it's the most expensive event we've ever done. It'd be probably 5,000, maybe more. And, um, and I thought, we, we can't do the event. I thought that just for a second, though. Just bear with me. I, I don't, I'm not going to freak out over one week, but sometimes I do freak out in the moment. Maybe you can relate. And I kind of like, well, we... And then God started to show me Solomon. And that's when I came up with this. He, he, I, I started searching scripture. And God was, God was probably working on me more than you. I get it. My gosh, I probably need the most help in this place. And he's showing me, Monty, are you going to trust me? And I truly believe, church, that, that I, I, it was on purpose. God wanted the giving there. It's, I, I'm not blaming anybody in this church. I'm telling you, God was teaching us something. He was showing me, will you trust me? Well, I don't care if the offering is zero. Is it my church? Am I going to build it or not? You said you wanted to reach lost people. You said you wanted to love people. You said you wanted to do an outreach and love kids and families that aren't getting love maybe anywhere else in the moment. That's what you said, but now it changes? He's testing me, and he's testing you. And he said, will you be faithful? And then he showed me Luke, where his son was speaking, Luke 16. And Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. But whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. And I think of Solomon, it's there's Solomon. And he's saying, that guy, he is faithful with little, and he is faithful with much. And it's like I had to repent to God even for the thought of like, oh, no, we can't do it. God's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And he's, in this church, our church has been self-sufficient. This is crazy, so let's go to some good news. The church has been self-sufficient since April. It took us six months to become a self-sustaining church, which give yourself a hand for that because that's incredible. Church plants, church plants, sometimes they're never self-sufficient. But we are, because we are faithful and we have givers. And I'll say to the people in here, maybe you've never given like financially to this church. I love you. I will walk with you. But I, I, wanna, I wanna share with you something. I'll challenge you even. 
maybe for the next three weeks, you'll just unlock it by giving $10. And the reason I say $10, it's, it's interesting. This week as I'm putting the final preparations on the outreach event, the gal gets back to me and we were finalizing the contract for Papio Bay. And she says, by the way, there's a bunch of arcade games. Some of them we can just turn them on and they're free play. But, he, but, he, but she said, there's quite a few. We can't do that. They just don't work that way. So they take quarters. And I immediately said, the, the, the families aren't gonna pay anything, okay? I'm not, they're paying nothing. We are gonna feed them, we're gonna love them, and they're paying nothing. So I immediately said, we're gonna, we're gonna provide rolls of quarters. For all the kids that come, they're gonna get a roll of quarters, 10 bucks, 40 quarters. And if they want more, I'll give them more. I don't care. It's money, I could care less, though, I, though sometimes I care too much. And I said, we're gonna, they're not paying a dime. Anybody that we invite to that, we're not paying nothing. But, but then I thought, well, maybe I could ask the church to do a special offering. I thought, no. I, so hear my heart. I don't want to be a church that does a, well, the youth is going to go raise money by washing cars. No. If we give faithfully, we will fund our youth. It's one of our most important ministries. They're not doing that. We're not doing campaigns. We're not doing that stuff. If we get behind what Solomon did and what God says, we will have enough money to do ministry that we can't dream or imagine. That's what I believe. But for some people, it's not that easy. So I don't want to just say, well, give 10%. Well, you know what, Monty? Right now, I can't pay the rent. But you want 10%. Well, I don't. God asked for it, but I'll, I'll, I'll just give you a baby step. 10 bucks in the plate to go towards a roll of quarters for a kid. That's it. And here's what I would say to you during that three weeks that you might, I, I challenge you if you've never maybe given, you do that. After that three weeks, if God hasn't blessed you in some way, not just financially, his blessings are way bigger than that. That's what we think. Oh, bless me with money. God's like, you don't even get it. I will bless you in ways that you can't dream or imagine with your children and your family and your legacy. That's how I want to bless you. You ask for money? Solomon didn't ask for it. He blessed him with money. I mean, don't undersell your God. But I would say if you do that, maybe take this $10 challenge if you've never given. Do it for three weeks so we can buy quarters for the kids. We'll buy them anyway. Whether you do it or not, we're going to do it. But I'm saying it for you. And after three weeks, just say, has God blessed me? Anyway, more, more above and beyond than he ever has. I'll guarantee you already know the answer. I already know it. But, I, but, it's, but it's not for me, it's for you. It's for you. That wasn't supposed to be part of the message, but now it is. Because there you have it. That, this is God. I want to be a generous church. I want to be faithful. I got to read it one more time. Whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. I want to be a church. I want to be this church that God, you can trust us with little. I want to be a church that is faithful with much. I want to be a church that trusts God when it doesn't make sense. I want to be a church that we're generous not because of what God gives, but because of who God is. And He's a big God. We serve a big God who is in love with you. He wants to do so much through you. Father, we love you so much. And as I close for the third time today, God, I'm telling you something. He's a generous God, so generous that he would give a son named Jesus Christ. And you want to talk about a gift giver? Give a child, right? Some of you, you have in one way or another, maybe through a loss or a tragedy, and you know. I I'll say this, if that's ever, my gosh, if you ever have gone through anything like that, your father grieves with you, he loves you, he walks with you. He knows what you're dealing with. He gave a son for you and I. And for some of you here today, you never really accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Life doesn't really matter beyond that. 
Outreach events don't matter if you don't know Jesus. It doesn't matter. Our whole purpose of the outreach event is to love them with the love of Jesus so they want to get closer to the Father. That's all we care about. I want people to know Jesus and then know him more and more and more. And if you don't know Jesus and you don't have this relationship, I'm not just talking wisdom up here. I'm talking an understanding in the heart down here. That's the difference. And if that's you, God is going to move you to pray with us after the worship song. And you're going to surrender your life to Christ. And we will celebrate you and you and you and you. And we will continually celebrate because God has got so much more in store for our church. He gave his son Jesus to die for us, to rise for us, so that we might live for, for him now and forever. People think abundant life starts in heaven. No, no, no. Heaven's coming to earth. It starts now when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's when it starts. I love this church. I love you. You're this church. I love you, God, because you're building your church. Keep working on our hearts. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, continually do a work that only you can do. Boy, we're learning community matters. We're learning who we wrap around ourselves matter. I pray people will take a next step towards a life group. God, we're learning that you look at our heart and we show that we're faithful with a little that we have, whether it's $10 or whatever it is for us, God, that you will be faithful with us and you are a giver. God, help us be obedient to do whatever you're telling us to do. And God, for the person in this place today, that need to commit or recommit their life to you. I pray with every ounce of my being that they do not leave this building until they have prayed with us and so we can celebrate and point them in a direction that is closer to you, closer to life, and closer to the dream that you have for them. In Jesus' name I pray and everybody says, amen. Hey, wherever you are, thanks so much for joining us today. We are so glad that you did. And if this blessed you in any way, man, we would love for you to subscribe to this channel, follow us on social media, and stay connected with us. And let me say most importantly, if you are ready to give your life to Christ or you want to make a decision for Jesus today, we would love it, man. Connect with us. Contact us at hello at meadows.church. Again, hello at meadows.church. Let us know what God is doing in your life. And know this, God loves you and the best is truly yet to